even though they were engaged in that culture. And he knew her not, that's, that's the sexual relationship, till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. He subdued, they subdued their passion and obedience. That was not easy. Someone said that in most cases it's like father, like father, like son. In this case, with Joseph, it was like son, like father. He was like the son of God. He was like his son, Jesus, in spirit. And then it was difficult to see God's plan implemented, I'm sorry, implemented without seeing the full picture. Because Mary, later on, discovered ahead of time when she went to the temple, she she went there to, she and Joseph went to offer the, the sacrifice. In Luke chapter 2, look at it with me, one page over, look at verse 34. They met a man named Simeon, Luke two thirty four. And said, Mary, unto the angel, how shall this be? I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place there. 234 is what I'm looking at. There we go. And Simeon blessed him and said unto Mary, his mother, how, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. And here's what he said to her. Listen, look. A sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. Now, he's eight days old, barely a week old. And this man says, now, he's a prophet. He says, Mom, a sword's going to go through your soul. Now, if you have a marginal reference like this Bible does, it, it says John nineteen fifteen. there are other issues here. But John nineteen fifteen says, Now there stood by the cross his mother Mary. There were other things that grieved her. But some of you have lost children. It's sad to lose your child before you die. But to see your child butchered and mocked and called names. Doing the will of God is not always easy. Now I want you to see what God tells us here in Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. Now pay attention to this. Run with patience the race that is set before us. Because we're running, we're not running a sprint, we're running a marathon. You've got to run with patience. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Now how did Jesus run the race? who for the joy that was before him endured, endured the cross. The word endured there means to persevere and depress her. He despised his shame. Shame means disgrace. It means dishonor. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what the Bible says. Look unto Jesus, one who, who had to endure, one who was involved with shame. Look unto Jesus. Now, why do you want to look unto Jesus? Verse 3. For consider him, here's the word the third time in the text, that endured, 
such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He says, I want you to do this because if you don't, you're going you're gonna to quit. The word faint means to get discouraged and quit. And, and before you quit externally, you quit internally. You get discouraged internally. Consider Jesus. It wasn't easy for Jesus. You know, in heaven, you're going to meet Mary and Joseph in heaven one day, and you're going to find out that their story, their full story, and you're going to find out the hard things, but you're going to find out that it was worth every bit of it. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, God is working even when it's difficult. Some of you are going through a hard time right now. Consider Jesus. He endured. The Bible says in Romans 8, 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's not worthy to be compared. Consider Jesus. It's tough. Maybe you say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I don't understand your suffering. I understand mine. I understand suffering. God's working. Let me just mention the third truth here. God is working, number three, in your life even when it's unnoticed. Even when it's unnoticed. I remember when Princess Di got married, Paula got up at 4 o'clock in the morning and watched it, or wherever it was. We were at youth camp, and... She watched that thing. I didn't. Boy, when those princes are born, you know, all kinds of announcements are made. Future kings, and boy, they're put in the finest places. When Jesus came, he was born as a pauper. The Bible says in verse 7 in Luke 2, he, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Those are long strips of, of, of cloth. In fact, it's like what they wrap mummies in. It's what it is. But they would take it and they would wrap kids, they would wrap their limbs in it to keep them warm, little infants when they're first born. And then sometimes they would wrap the whole baby in it for a while to to help to keep them warm. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And the Bible says in verse 7, and he was laid in a manger. You know what a manger is, don't you? It's a feeding trough for animals. Three times in this passage, in verse 7, in verse 12, in verse 16, the word manger is used. He's highlighting. He didn't come as a king. He came as a pauper. He came as a servant. He came unnoticed. He came off the radar. Isaiah 53, 2, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. A root doesn't come out of a dry ground. You never see a root out of a dry ground. I I believe that speaks of the virgin birth. There's no form, there's no comeliness, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's simple. When Jesus came, he came unnoticed but to obey his Father. Now listen carefully, I want to apply this. Some of you, what you do for the Lord or what you do for your family or what you do at work is unnoticed. But as a father, heavenly father, as he watched everything at Bethlehem, listen to me, as he watched everything at Bethlehem and the world wasn't paying attention, the heavenly father was what he, he, he watched it enough to put that star for the match out to get there. 
And he's watching you labor in that corner office. And he's watching you raising those toddlers and wrestling with those teenagers. And he's watching you and your ministry, which seems sometimes not to bear fruit. Three times in Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says, Thy Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. I love that. He sees in secret. You don't need to go around tooting your horn on what all you're doing. It's one of the bad things about Facebook sometimes is we get discouraged and we want other people to know what we're doing. And we lose our reward. John twelve twenty four says, Except a corner of wheat fall into the ground and die. That's where the death happens. It abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. That's where the reproduction happens, in the ground, in isolation, in obscurity. And some of you, God has got you in obscurity. You're unnoticed. You're not getting credit. And you're angry about it. Your kids aren't praising you. Your wife doesn't appreciate you. The boss doesn't notice. Your employees don't care. The students in class don't listen. You preach sometimes and people don't seem to respond. Listen, the fruit is His. You obey God. You obey God. And leave the results to Him. God is working even when it seems to be unnoticed. The Bible says in verse 7, there was no room in the inn. This was not a motel. It was a little side place. Remember all the people there was busy, a lot of people going to Bethlehem. And they found this little encampment. A little cave, as it were. Some people think, I've been down there. I told you about it last week. And they put him in a manger where animals and some straw, where animals had been feeding. And this is the nature of how God works. God works through humility and brokenness and simplicity. Not through noise, not through bright lights. Not through bravado. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here's the order. Here's the order. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor, before honor, before honor is humility. Don't don't seek the honor. And really you don't need to seek humility. You you just you have a lot to be humble about. Pretentiousness about humility is not humility. We have a lot to be humble about. I don't know who the most humble person in this room is, but whoever you are, you don't know who you are because you don't think you're humble. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14 and verse 7, he put forth a parable to those who were bidden or invited when he marked 
how they chose out the chief rooms, the primary rooms, the best seats, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, this is after the rehearsal dinner or after it's over, sit not down in the highest room, the most visible place, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. You're going to be ashamed one day. But when thou art bidden, here's, here's the way to live. Go and sit in the lowest room. That when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship or respect in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 30. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. God's working in your life even when you're unnoticed. Maybe God has you in a place of obscurity. You don't like that. It's just been a long time. Well, God's got you in that low place because one day He's going to exalt you. It's better than seeking the high place and then one day at the day's judgment, he say, you know what? You've been on high horse. You need to get down. Get off that. A whole lot better for him to exalt you. I'm finished. Are you, are you obeying God and leaving the consequences to him? Don't seek greatness. Don't seek to be a big shot. Are you discouraged? Are you not seeing expected fruit? Well, it's hard. I know it's hard. You work so hard, and sometimes it's not even... You say, well, preacher, it's not just even a big thing. I just want just a little... I understand. Sometimes God's just trying to till humility in us to, to draw us close close to Him. It's like that insurance company. I mean, I feel like, God, I don't, I don't deserve to be on the phone with these people. I've already been planning what I'm going to do when I'm on the phone. They got me on hold. They play loud music. I mean, it's horrible. I've already got in my mind, okay, what am I going to do when I'm on the phone with them? So I have to, because it's not fair for me to have a bad attitude with my family. It's wrong. So how can I, how can I fix this and use this as a time for growth? And thank the Lord that, that it's still covered where I can have this treatment. God's working. God wants to do something in your life. Let him do it. Obey God and leave the results to him. Just bow your head with me, would you? I'm assuming this morning that you said yes to God's purpose in your life. Have you ever said, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be.